All right, guys, let's get on with the podcast. I have a lecture at 4.30. Hello, and welcome to Not Safe for Publication, a podcast about the funny side of humanities research. I'm Georgia. And I'm Althea, and today we have our special guest and co-presenter, Anna. Hello! Anna, welcome! It's especially funny because you've been on literally every episode up until now, but we're finally going to meet you! (laughs) Oh, that's very exciting, obviously. So, Anna, like me as a first-year history PhD, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to Manchester? I mean, it's not anywhere as exciting as yours or Jolie's, really. I, I do come from abroad. I'm I'm Russian. I come from St. Petersburg. I did my undergraduate and my master's in Durham University, which was the first place in the UK that I came to five years ago now, um, more than five years ago. And now I came to Manchester partially because I had a lecturer in my undergraduate. It was absolutely amazing. Um, And he was the person who kind of got me into Chinese history. And he did his PhD here in Manchester. So that's what kind of made me think of Manchester when I was applying. You briefly mentioned there that you work on Chinese history. Do you want to tell us a little bit on on your project? Really where I fit in as a historian is quite badly defined at this point because... Welcome to the club. because my project is quite transnational. Um, I am looking at orthodox communities in China in the early 20th century. I'm particularly interested in religious and national identities. And the reason for this is basically, my project starts around the time of the Boxer Rebellion. And the Boxer Rebellion, or Hetuan Rebellion, it basically was aimed at anything Western or foreign, and among those things it was aimed at Christianity, which kind of highlights the foreignness of Christianity in this environment and how it was perceived as as a religion that came from abroad and as an expression, as many people argued, of cultural imperialism. However, there were also people of Chinese origin and members of Chinese culture who were... Christian and, in my case, Orthodox, and who held those beliefs. And simply seeing this as an expression of uh, cultural imperialism is taking agency from them, taking this kind of decision-making from them in what their identity is, and robbing them of a part of their identity, which I don't think is fair for them as as subjects of my research. So I'm quite interested in how, and especially in case of Orthodox mission, because Orthodox Church was really closely connected to the Russian state and to the Russian nationalist pro- project, what practices were adopted, what practices were criticised, what cultural and religious practices coexisted, and how they related to each other. And that's basically my project. What it is going to be, because I'm a first-year student, I don't know what it's going to turn out to be like. But I really hope that it pans out well because I'm really excited about it. So one of the things that I thought it might be good for us to talk about this episode, everyone in this room is a first year. And 
all three of us have in the last three or four weeks sat our first panel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I thought this might be a bit of an opportunity for us to kind of not necessarily compare experiences because I don't I don't know how interesting that would be. But to kind of talk, you know, we always on this podcast try to take quite a strong interest in our well-being and the positive sides. We all know that sitting a panel is going to be scary. So I thought it might be good for each of us to perhaps share something about our panel that was fun or something that we we ended up feeling positive about. Anna, maybe we could start with you as the guest. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, my panel was not stressful at all which I know it's different for different people but um, I think especially in my case because my supervisors are amazing for babying me as in (laughs) in my first term I got to see them every other week and it's been amazing because I had lots of feedback on my work I had lots of reassurance they participated in me really forming the idea of what my project is going to be They've been absolutely amazing. And because of that, it was just sort of another meeting, but with a third person. It was also quite brief because the independent reviewer, a very busy person, had to leave. It was mostly the independent reviewer asking her questions about the significance of my project, which was her main concern, because we do have a lot written about Christianity in China. So it's quite important to understand what is it that I contribute to it. She was really took an interest in you after the review, though, because she grilled you pretty hard. And then she really surprised you. Oh, yeah. Professor Jack was absolutely amazing. So actually, she is an incredibly impressive person in her field. Her PhD thesis turned into a book, Social History of Opium, which I read in my undergrad in the first year. It was one of the first books on Chinese history I've encountered. And it's been translated into like Korean and Italian and I mean, absolutely amazing. And afterwards, she invited me to come see her to talk about the kind of books that I could read. And she gave me a book as a present and it was absolutely amazing. She's she's really, really lovely. And I've been incredibly lucky with my supervisory team. They've been really helpful, especially my supervisor who comes from the Russian department. She's really helpful in terms of language support because me being a non-native speaker, sometimes I make certain mistakes like using Russian syntax in English and a lot of native speakers try to be nice about it and they say well she's trying and her English is quite good for a non-native speaker. I've never noticed you do anything like that. (laughs) She's very good for like reining me in and saying you have those problems in your English that you still need to work on which is which is great because it gives you space for improvement you don't want just positive feedback you want to know where you're going. So my experience has been absolutely great and I've been kind of trying to reassure people around me because a lot of people are still waiting for their panels. Da, da, da. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm, I felt like it was a very positive experience for me. That's brilliant. Uh, and Althea, do you, uh, how was yours? Uh, my panel was interesting. So 
I got some pretty harsh comments from my reviewer, but she was absent, so I had time to go through the stages of receiving criticism, shock, rage, and acceptance before I went to the panel. So then we talked a little bit about the reviewer's comments, and I felt a bit better. But then one of my supervisors decided to talk about ethics, and the way that they decided to talk about ethics was by flat out forbidding me from doing what I wanted to do, and then talking it back to saying, well, maybe you can do this, but you're going to have to be really, really sharp. And I, and it was very intense. There were times I put my head in my hands, and then they're like, you haven't written about this. If you want this to be the trajectory of your research, you're going to have to write 3,000 extra words in this literature review. And I'm like, I will do whatever it takes. And they're like, you don't have to decide now. And then two minutes later, they're like, we need a decision now. And so, um, <laughs> no, it was very interesting, very emotional thing, but it wasn't bad. I like being pressed. I mean, they weren't like pressing me about my research. They're just telling me like, you know, there's going to be a lot of challenges in the future, which is exciting for me. But now that I'm in the future, um, it's a bit less exciting and it looks like a lot of work. So yeah, my supervisor, when he, he wished me a good day and he saw I was pretty frazzled because yeah, he's like, go have a beer or piece of sugary cake or whatever it is that you do like take the day off because there was a lot of information but it wasn't a negative experience so it was good it is an intense experience going through it even if it is mine was more like Anna's I suppose and that it felt like I was just having a meeting and there was an extra person there well, that's what a normal meeting goes like that one of my supervisors is a very intense person and it's always fun <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got one intense supervisor as well, which is uh, is mainly good. Mine was much the same, I suppose, in that I came out of it sort of on top of the world, like wow, that was really really good. And then on reflection, I think a lot there was more to work on than I had originally picked up on. Oh yeah, uh, that's so the crash at the end of the review. <laughs> yeah. So what they were looking at was my uh, literature review and. The thing that they mainly picked me up on is 100% justified, which is that I just tend to focus on literature that's a bit too old. I don't read very up-to-date. Like, my, I read a lot of stuff from the 90s, and I need to be kind of coming into this millennium, I guess. <laughs> um, so there is definitely more reading to do, which is secondary literature is my least favourite thing. I just want to do primary research all the time. The part about mine that I felt positive about was, I don't know if yours had this bit, but there was a, a bit in mine where they kind of were like, okay, so you have to go outside so we can discuss you while you're not here. Oh no, they didn't banish me. No, so they did. They banished me. Scary. I went and stood outside and I could hear everything they were saying. <laughs> what was it like? Why did you have to send her out? We both know it's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I actually got to hear them basically be very nice about me behind my back. Oh, well, that's that's nice. That's yeah. a good boost. That's the dream. I yeah. think that's why I ended up feeling good about it is that I kind of thought, oh, when I'm not sat right in front of them, they were still saying nice things they weren't just sort of being nice to my face and then being like wow we've got a lot of work to do with this one on the whole I would say I enjoyed the panel experience my relationship with my supervisors is much less hands-on than Anna's mine kept me on a short leash she said babying I mean it was kind of babying but at the same time they're kind of like what firebrand have I like brought into my office we need to meet every two weeks to like contain 
And so... Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to get a lot less hanged on this term, especially as my primary supervisor is on sabbatical, I think. He's still meeting me, but there is there is kind of a lot more space between the meetings for me to actually like produce writing, which I don't know how it's working yet, but I'm, I'm quite excited about some of the things that I've written. So hopefully, hopefully it's going to go well. I'm currently working on my contextual chapter, which is which is really nice because some of it, particularly the section I'm currently working on, I have to update a lot of scholarship that I've read two years ago now because actually a lot was published on my topic. The section I'm working on now is quite similar to my undergraduate dissertation. Oh, is that boring or relaxing? I, I kind of like it because I, I've actually like been able to read my notes on it critically and oh. I've been able to go back because I keep digital notes. So it's very easy for me to go back and look for them and search for them and to kind of have a new look at it and go, actually, if I was writing this project now, these are the things I would have said differently. And I really like that. It's a very good reflective experience. And especially since I think actually my undergraduate dissertation has a lot of potential in terms of maybe even potentially publishing it. Oh, that's good. Oh, um, my God. Mine I is love the project. The opposite. I, I, like, <laughs> I did not like my master's dissertation at all. I've absolutely enjoyed my bachelor's dissertation. It was what confirmed me in my kind of desire to apply for a PhD. It's been a lovely experience. I, I really, really, because it was my first experience kind of going to libraries other than university library and exploring material outside and doing, well, effectively field work because I've done most primary research while being at home mm -hmm. in Russian National Library. And I was also actually saying something new for the first time. Um, and it's been it's been really exciting, especially since the last book in English that was published on my topic was published in 1976. Oh, that's good. So it's something that, that I really, really enjoyed. Usually when we have a guest on this podcast, you might not know this, but we ask them to come prepared with uh, a humorous anecdote, either from their research practice or something funny that they found in the archive. Do you uh, have something you can share with us today? Is this going to be one of the ones that you like jump up from your desk and run to me and you're like, oh my goodness, like they said this guy wasn't a spy, but he was so obviously a spy. I know he was a spy or like they named their charity the Guardian Angels Society. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the joke in that situation was actually the typos in the Guardian Angels Society because they missed out the R in Guardians and then they wrote Angle instead of Angel which was really funny you have to admit it was it was two typos in one name um, it also was actually a really useful article but this paper has been really badly proofread and it's it's a collection of papers it was like a, a special issue of a journal it's been horribly proofread for English. Uh, there's been one article where the author kept using than as in T-H-A-N instead of than as in T-H-E-N. And I kept getting like increasingly annoyed at whoever edited that paper because a lot of the thoughts in these, I think, are quite good and quite useful. But because of the poor editing, I think... It underrepresents the importance of the things that you are showing. And the spy guy, quite likely to be a spy, because it was really funny. It, it was it was a paper 
where basically two Russian scholars, it was published in English, um, in Journal of Astronomical History or something like that. And they've basically written that contemporary Western sources describe Russian mission as a basis for largely spies and Russian agents in Beijing. And that that was not true. And then afterwards, they go on to talk about this guy who was an astronomer who was sent to the Russian mission, who, despite like his mission being purely scientific, became incredibly well-versed in Chinese and Manchu. And he traveled around China and he determined exact locations of different places in China, which I think seems quite suspicious. And then he became official translator of the Russian diplomatic mission to Beijing. So I do think, I'm not saying he necessarily was a spy. Wait, you suspect him because he's an academic who rose to a high position in society. That's why you suspect him. professional jealousy, perhaps? (laughs) Um, Quite possibly, yeah. Um, But he he does look suspicious. But this one, it's actually from my my undergraduate notes, but I, I told you it was great fun. And there is this history of the mission and basically the guy was the archivist of the mission and he collected a lot of stories. And this is about one of the early missions which was notorious for... It was really famous for, like, everyone in it was a drunkard. Basically. <laughs> yes. And um, Sorry. this particular story <laughs> is... It's about the head of the mission who... Uh, the mission ended in 1741. And it was reported that during his time, he was often drinking and, to quote, clowning. He often dressed in female Chinese dress and would wear it occasionally to church. And I think there was another occasion of him chasing the students around the mission's court, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And (laughs) I think it's also these kind of anecdotes which make history come to life for me kind of making it a little bit more personal making it making you realize that those were people i think and that's something that i really enjoy kind of thinking about interesting personalities in history and i'm particularly looking forward to uh what i think is going to be chapter four of my dissertation because it's going to look at indigenous chinese priests which mm-hmm. would enable me to kind of look at particular persons and their life stories and how they talked about their experiences and their identities and the identities of people in their parishes, but also what happened to them, because that's always very, very interesting. And I think George's project is quite similar in that sense, because on one hand, you're exploring a big issue, but there are also are really exciting personalities like Catherine Leroy, who you talked about. And it's great to kind of be able to also learn about an exciting person. I completely agree. I would say that it's those uh, those sort of fascinating figures that actually make me interested in history. I suppose I am much more interested in so-called micro history yeah. than than in the sort of the grand themes of and big events uh, that happened. I um, obviously there's sort of room for for both in history, but I'm always much more drawn in by a kind of an on-the-ground account or a story like the one you just told that just kind of um, shows that 
people in history were were people and i love thinking about you know what people who were our age in history what in jokes did they have what what was it like just to be normal what was funny to them i remember reading this one story about a missionary to mongolia and the missionary was 27 and um basically what he would do was he was a itinerant doctor so he would go around and then he would talk to the people about christianity and this often went into like loggerhead debates about christianity versus buddhism and i don't think anybody converted but he was a beloved member of mongolia riding thousands of miles every year debating with people and curing their illnesses well one time um there was a lama who was 25 who was especially obnoxious and he had to like stay in the same tent with him for two nights and his diary is like I had to be with the most annoying child, in parentheses, 25 years. And it's like, you're 27, and you're calling him a child. It's just funny when, it's like... <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, look at undergraduates and compare how you feel about them. Um, because I have this theory as to, you know, undergraduates are like pigeons. Um, pigeons? Yeah, because they do nothing useful, and they also spread disease. Because uh, <laughs> precious flu. We were, um, me and Ages. Anna went for lunch with another history friend of ours and ended up sat next to a group of Japanese studies uh, who were the biggest bunch of nerds I have ever seen. They were dressed up as anime characters oh, and that's like, nerdy. pretending to fight each other in the cafeteria. Oh, it, wow. And I was just, I uh, looked over at Anne and Anna and said, if this was the 70s, they'd be old enough to fight in Vietnam. <laughs> uh, now you sound like someone my parents' generation. <laughs> I know, as soon as I said it, I was like, oh no, I've become a monster, but I'm not going to... No, no, you've just become an adult, Georgia. That's different. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that, that's 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 basically aging. Yes, um, that's what it does to you. Makes Just, you grumpy. Makes you hate the young. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> to be honest, I think it's the young. Like the young make you hate the young. Um, <laughs> the young make you grumpy. <laughs> or the dubbing. <laughs> or the yeeting. Or the hacking. Um, I, I don't know what else youngers, youngsters do those days. Oh, definitely flossing. Uh, oh. And various Fortnite dances. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I have encountered one or two young people in my time. <laughs> this is definitely making me sound like I am a hundred years old. So um, uh, I feel like we might actually be reaching a really good point for me to stop talking so that I stop sounding like a grandma. So I want to say uh, to Anna, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and for... This podcast is essentially Anna's brainchild and she does a huge amount to make it happen, especially promoting it on all our social media channels. Uh, and if you aren't following us on uh, Facebook or Twitter, then I strongly recommend you do because she posts lots of great pictures of cute animals. Big thank you, Anna, both for creating this podcast and for guesting on it. <laughs> thank you very much, Georgia. And I mean... Both Georgia and Alfie have put a lot of effort into it, especially Georgia with all of the editing that oh, she yes. does. She's Althea is also amazing at promoting yeah. it in person. So Head it's of a, marketing! Yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's a bit of a love-in today. But this episode actually concludes the episodes where we introduce the four hosts. So starting from next episode, we are going to have guests from across the School of Arts, Languages and Cultures. 
No more egoism, no more self-promotion. It's going to be about others focused. Yeah, I'm very excited because uh, I'm just sick of the sight of you, to be honest. <laughs> um, so, uh, but if you are listening and you're interested in being a guest on this podcast, we would absolutely love to hear from you. We'll repeat all our social media at the end, but you can get us at nsfppodcast at gmail.com if you're interested in being a guest. So please reach out to us. All that remains to be said then is thank you very much, Anna, for being a guest. Thank you, Althea, for being the perfect co-host. Thank you. And don't tell your supervisor what you heard here today. What happens on the podcast stays on the podcast, especially since we were talking about our supervisors <laughs> in an anonymized way. Do not tell them. You can find them on our academic school's page because we all have a page on there and you can find out who they are. Please don't. Please protect our anonymity. Not Safe for Publication is a new podcast about the lighter side of humanities research at the University of Manchester. If you're a humanities researcher who has something funny to share, please be in touch with us at nsfppodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at NSFP Podcast. Have an adequately happy existence.